figured out why today is a Sunday that all the kids are in here. Because we're going to talk about justice. You kids need to start obeying. We're sick of this stuff. And we need you to obey. That's why you're here. That's all. Let's pray. We're, no, we're, I, I just figured that out. Thank you, Brian. That's just so thankful that you let me come up here and say that. He didn't want to because he's still got kids at home. My name is Dave, if you don't know me. I'm challenged in many, many ways to be with you this morning for a very interesting subject. In fact, as I began to think about it and think about the whole series, will you allow me just to step outside just a little bit here and say that before we get started, I really want to do a checkup with you all. We're biting off huge chunks of the characteristics of the real God these weeks. I mean, they're huge. It's just so easy to come in here and have a little piece of paper, a half a sheet of paper, and say, oh, God's holy. (laughs) If you stop for just a a little bit of time, in in fact, even read the word, you discover the, the vastness of the, every one of these are just monstrous things. In fact, all they really are for us as men who are up here sharing with you is collective surveys at best of the Most High. We're not telling you everything there is to know about these characteristics because we have a God who is infinite. He's huge. It reminds me of a time here a number of years ago that my girls and I, my my wife and my daughters, we were able to go out to the Northwest uh, for certain reasons. And while we were there, we went to the Redwoods National Park in Northern California. And uh, while we were there, I, we just saw a sign uh, of the, uh, just a little national park sign, and it said, to the big tree. And so we took this little hiking trail, and we walked ourselves to the big tree. And, and as we got there, you, you turn around and you looked at it, and I'm looking at this thing. That is 68 feet in circumference. Guess what I said? That's a big tree. (laughs) Which makes total sense because the sign says it. And my daughters start laughing. I I still remember this. You know, they're very intelligent. And uh, they say, whoa, Dad, you you really know a lot to the big tree. Big tree. And so we, we, now this is Johnson humor. I, I, you may not get a lot out of this, but boy, we had a whole heap of fun with this moment. Uh, this is just the way the Johnsons do it. But at any rate, so we decided there's no sense in just hanging out or, 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 in just, or leaving. We decided to hang out for a little while and watch people. And here they came as they walked through their, their little hiking trail. They come and they look at a tree. That there's a big tree. And the Spanish would come in, you know, and they would say, Arabul grande. And this Chinese would come and they'd say, Mmm, dashu. And the French, you know, they're, anybody French? Grand arbeur. <laughs> now, that's all the tongues we're getting this morning, okay? Right there. But, but, but at any rate, it's a big tree. It's a big tree. It's a big tree. Uh, yeah. Now, let me just take that that moment with you and let me do something. Let me grab out my chainsaw, climb up that big tree. We're going to whack off some of the limbs. We're going to take them to another place, and I'll make a little sign. It says, to the limb from the big tree. Ooh, there's a limb. That might be interesting, and uh, you might like it, you might not. It really, you know, count the rings, do whatever you want to do. But what happened? It all of a sudden got taken away from the big tree. And it's just, it's, I've never been to a firewood museum, put it that way. Oh, okay. Uh, here, here's the point. Here's the point I'm trying to make. When we talk about the characteristics of God, the attributes of God, he, his, he is a big God. 
And all of these characteristics grow out like massive limbs. And they are incredible. And every week we've been talking about a limb. But the truth of the matter is, is that they all come back into the one big God. I want you to recognize that and I want you to challenge that. In fact, if you don't get anything else today, I really hope you get that. Because the truth is, in these weeks of looking at these qualities that make God God, we need to force ourselves to realize that they intertwine, intertwine, live together, practice together 100% of the time, church. 100% of the time. So that when you seriously look at this survey, at these survey sermons, I hope you find yourself saying, now that's a big God. That's a big God. Now today, we're going to focus on the justice of God. And no, kids, it's not about you. But this branch may not really produce the happy pleasure responses that we get in some of the other ones. Uh, studies like goodness. It's kind of fun to go out after a, a message on goodness, isn't it? It's kind of uh, just comforting to go out after a message on grace or wisdom and all of these different qualities of God. Justice, on the other hand, produces more of a, a stern face. We, we, that's the way we think. There's a straightness here. Possibly even you're a little afraid. What? We're going to talk about justice today? Man, if I'd have known that, I probably wouldn't have come. Because justice has that sense in which it suggests accountability. It talks about justice or, or, or judgment. It's the finger There he is. <laughs> it's the finger. And you'll get a little uncomfortable with these circumstances. Of, in fact, there's all kinds of questions. Man, what in the world? We're, we're, okay, we're going to look at this God who's just, but look at how the mess we live in today. And all kinds of questions come from that. If God is so just, and you fill in the rest, you know, why is there so much unfairness? Uh, why does such a good sovereign God allow tragedies to happen? Man, just, just two nights ago now, just over by uh, Leesburg Regional, most preposterous thing happened. So strange that a lady got hit by a car crossing the road after working at the hospital. She got winged by the mirror. She went down. Somebody went out to help her. And, and in the next few minutes as they were helping, another car came and hit them again. And killed the lady, as well as injuring others. Just so strange. God, if you're so just, if you're so good, if you what in the world? I'm confused. I mean, or, or there's the other side. God, God's my. I don't want to be judged. You, who wants to be judged today? No. I, I kind of I'm satisfied with myself. Okay, does that mean God's angry all the time? since he's a just God? Now, here's the point. I'm not going to answer any of those questions very clearly for you this morning. I'm just telling you ahead of time. However, if we are devoted to the Scripture, and I hope that you are, and if we are devoted not by sentiment, but to do, just like the song we just said, by faith, we will walk in an amazing God. Number one, we must resist the one-limb-style God. Too often in our brains, we're all about the one-limb God. He's a God of love. That's usually one of the main ones. In fact, we'd probably go visit that limb if it was someplace. But even that limb is connected into the big one. If we are there, we won't just simply look at one limb, but we will declare a, a God, yes, wise and good, but he's also our perfect governor, and he represents no political party. He's not Democrat. He's not Republican. He's not independent. He's not socialist. He's God. And he's a perfect governor who demands our allegiance. And I'm telling you something, that's a big God. Let's define it, if we can. A definition of justice in the Bible, Old Testament Hebrew kind of sees 
that word justice is it's translated into English a number of ways. One of the ways that it reasonably is translated is the word judge. God is our judge. He stands as a judge hearing every case and rendering every verdict. The scriptures say in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 and 14, here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do. That's his justice way. He'll judge us, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Wow. This God sees it all. The justice limb of God reaches out and literally has eyes all over the place. And he renders judgments. It also, in the Old Testament, you see the word lend itself to the word righteous. Righteous. It says in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? You see, God is absolutely right in everything. You never have to say, Lord, would you like to rethink that? He doesn't have to do that. He is absolutely right all the time, and he will make everything right just by his nature. It's not just for the moment, but it's for the future. We have a God, a just God is a right God. All the time. I love that part about him. I'm the only one in the family that has this problem, but sometimes I think I'm the only one who's right. And I discover quickly. Mm -mm. Hmm. Well, the New Testament has a little different look at that by way of the languages. And, and actually, it leads itself primarily to the word legal. A just God is a God who legally does what's right. It adds that quality. So it's not just, God is not a bully. Catch that? He's not some cosmic bully that just says, I'm right, king of the hill. Now, he has that ability, and he can. He, in fact, God's the only person I know that can actually have an ego trip, and it's okay. But, but the truth of the matter is the, the word in itself is a, justice God, a just God leads to a legally just God, a legally right God. In other words, he is exclusively in control with all perfection and there is this legal right he has in which everybody has to bow down. Hmm. He can and he will. He will consistently judge the sentence of punishment. And he will justify. See, there's that word justice in the word justification. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But the whole idea is he will make right those who are not right. If you're not right today, God can, hear me, God can make you right. Isn't that good? I think it is. Absolutely amazing. Nutshell definition. This is the Dave definition. The justice of God is the bar. It's the standard. It's the will of God. It's the bar. A just God has a bar and everything that is right is there. If it's not there, guess what? It ain't right. And it's so high. And we're accountable to it. And that's why justice is kind of one of those limbs we really like to put on the backside of the tree. We'd rather not look at it because it's just, I'm just, I can't get there. So we try. <laughs> I'm going to start to unfold the justice with you a little bit. If you turn your Bibles to Romans 3. Romans 3 is crazy when it comes to the justice of God. <laughs> In fact, you'll, you'll look at it and you'll say, man, if the justice of God is just a limb, if, if God was just this limb, if, God, if this was the tree, 
we're in deep weeds <laughs> because, wow. Now, I'm going to be saying some things right now, reading directly from the Word of God, and you'll be so excited. This is some of the most edifying portion of the Bible. Get ready. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 We recognize this justice unfold as we read this. It says, as the scriptures say, which means what? Yes and yes. There's no, the scriptures said it. Boom. Okay? It's not up for debate. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Are you feeling encouraged? <laughs> this is so good. This feels so good. That's why your kids are here today. No, no, you, you, sorry. Uh, their talk is foul like the stench of an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Woo! The scriptures say... Now, now I I really want to know quickly who is the they because that's not me. Last time I checked, I got bad breath, but snake venom? Mm. Wow, is that, who is this? Well, who's to say? Verse 9, if, if you actually just back up, you'll see, we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. Every individual, when we think of God's justice unfolding, all of a sudden we realize, yeah, that's a very uncomplimentary list, but the fact is, as we look at it bigger, we see ourselves missing that standard. God says this, we do this. God says this, we do this. God says this, we do this. We miss, and we miss, and we miss, and we say, well, it's just a miss, but there's a bar, and we miss. Not only do we miss it, But secondly, we realize we owe him everything because we can't get there. We never can arrive. We owe him everything, and we want to do it maybe, but we never arrive. Verse 19 of chapter 3. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. God gave, a, God gave in his word an Old Testament law, and some people think, well, it's, when Jesus came, it just kind of X'd it out. It didn't X it out. Jesus covered it. But nonetheless, the bar was set. The bar was communicated, and the bar remains. And, and it just shows us, you shall do this, you shall do this, but I can't, I, I never arrive. I don't get there. I'm sinking so this justice aspect of things, you see what I mean? And that it's, if we just look at the justice limb all by itself, that's what we're doing right now. We're looking at the one limb. It's, we, we're, we're stuck, missing the standard. We realize we owe him because we missed the standard, but we can't get there. And we just look. All I'm telling you, this is I fear that limb. There are religions out there today who have a God that the whole tree is based on that limb right there. That they have some rules that they've set up over history and time that basically they've said you will obey those rules. We can't, and so what? God is angry with you. God hates you if you can't get here. In fact, you have no hope with this God because this little G God is really going to get you. Keep in mind, this is a one limb. As a matter of fact, it plays out in such an amazing way because God never mellows. Here in our day, I mean, I'm a little older, and I've lived long enough to see even still our justice is mellowing all the time. Yeah? We see that. What was true when I was a kid 
is no longer true today when it comes to morality. In fact, it's changing. In fact, it changes rapidly nowadays, it seems, which makes for more of these questions to come up. But God never revises his constitution. He doesn't have to. It's all there. It's the bar. It's set. It's his justice. And it shows all the way into the back of the Bible in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. It's called the great white throne judgment. I read to you. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And and their books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in those books. The sea gave up its dead, and the death and grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. And then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Why? Because God is a just God. If you notice in that passage, we don't have the matter of have you trusted Christ or not. We have them being judged on the basis of their deeds. Now it does say at the end, their name is not in the book of life, which means that they were never justified. They were never made right. And as a result, because they weren't made right, their deeds never hit the bar. And they were doing it all by themselves. They didn't rely on anybody but themselves and they could not reach the bar. And as a result, God will And write it down, God will judge. He is a judge. It's a powerful limb, isn't it? Aren't you glad you came today? Let me, let me though, and I'm not trying to make this happily ever after. I really want that to sink in. But don't forget how I started this message too. What do we see right in front of us? Somebody tell me. That's a big tree that's a big god one limb we're talking about don't and that's where i'd like to go right now let's go back to the big god and let's look at justice but let's look at justice through the eyes of that tree what are some ways we would do well to make sure we don't lop the limb of justice off of the tree of god but we include it every day It's amazing how many people out there just, just in, in fact, look in the mirror and listen to yourself and ask yourself as you complain or as you question. And they can be legitimate questions. It's okay. But, but as you do those things, ask yourself the question, am I a one-limb worshiper right now or am I seeing the big God, the real God? Where am I at? Check yourself. I'm going to try to help you that, with that just a little bit by using just a few questions that might be asked. For instance, have you ever asked this question or have you ever heard it? Why can't everyone go to heaven? Why can't it just be that way? I mean, this God who judges seems so extreme. I've had, I've, I've had the privilege to, and the honor to be a pastor and a missionary for 35 years, and uh, I've had people leave church because somewhere along the way they've asked that question and, and they just decided either they found one verse in the Bible that matched with some other group of people or whatever that just simply said that everybody, in the end, God's just going to make everything right. And, and there is no hell and there is no real judgment. As a matter of fact, Satan's even going to figure it out. And he's going to come and worship the Lord and, and God's going to, well, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible says. So it's an interesting question to ask. Because in all honesty, when we think about that, the people who often ask this question are also saying, listen, God, I am trying my hardest. And I don't like thinking about you as a judge, but in the back of my mind, I kind of know that's on the tree, and I'm just going to work as hard as I possibly can to make you happy. 
So I'll come to church and I'll give next step offering if I have to. I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll be nice to the neighbors even though they are idiots. Nobody's got those, right? I I will do that, Lord. I'm going to work so hard. Because you're a judge. Man, I don't like thinking about that. That just seems wrong. And there's other limbs on the tree that, that I'd rather think about. Let's, let's go back to the limb of love and enjoy the amazing love of God. But I want you to understand something because the limb of love is in the tree and the limb of justice is in the tree. Justice is in love and guess what? Love is in justice. They coincide with one another all the time. The Bible speaks many times of the refusal of God to bend his bar. And he says, for instance, in Habakkuk 1.13, you are of purer eyes than to behold evil. You cannot see it. You're not allowed. You cannot look at wrong. Okay, that's the justice, God. But what I'm saying is, is that amazingly elevates this whole aspect of justice. And I think it, it elevates the love of God Because he did something about it. God is not the big old grouch in heaven, but he did something about it, and that's where the love limb kicks in to the justice limb. And we have a big word in the scriptures called he sent a propitiation. A propitiation. It says in 1 John 2, verse 2, he, who's speaking of Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He's the, well, what's a propitiation? I, my, one of my favorite, you know, the Old Testament, the children of Israel, and they're traveling around, and God has them build an Ark of the Covenant. It's something they carry around and place in their tabernacles. And that, that lid on that Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat. And actually, that mercy seat is kind of the same idea as propitiation. Jesus is the cover of mercy in the midst of life. I read the verse again, and if we read it that way, he is the cover for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He is the lid, the covering Back in Romans 3, and I'm using a lot of scripture with you today, but, but it, when you talk about justice, I don't want to give you theory. I'd rather give you just what the Bible says. And In Romans chapter 3, verse 25, you remember Romans, we, actually Romans 3.23, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Two verses later, God presented himself as a sacrifice of atonement. He provided himself as the lid. He provi- presented himself through faith in his blood and he did this to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus the scriptures that say ever so clearly that because Jesus became that covering he would say you may come to me and I will make you right before God love and justice crushing together isn't that good (laughs) let me tell you a story maybe to help you understand this I don't understand you think this is a zany story and it is in fact I wasn't sure if I I would even share it anybody know I have a son and he's in this church anybody know Grant Johnson Raise your hand if you know Grant Johnson. How many, well, put, put your hands up. How many don't know Grant Johnson? Shoo, buddy, you are a failure. <laughs> Grant Johnson's the, the guy right up there in the balcony. Uh, he's a little bigger than I am. But he wasn't always that way. But the, the funny part of it is we had a moment of parental discipline back in the day. And I know if you think of him now, you try to think, how in the world did you put six point six foot two, a little heavier than me, on my knee? Well, he was smaller. I don't remember what it was, maybe you do, but Grant had 
sinned against the family somehow and against God. It was, it was a big deal, something he had done and stubbornly did again. And as a, a parent, I did uh, discipline my children. I wanted, and I disciplined them not just, and I really wanted to take time sometimes. I tried not to discipline in anger, and this was definitely one of those times that I sat there, and I was so hurt that my son wasn't getting this. And it was one of those things. And I said, somehow or other, I've got to show him how painful this is. So one of my favorite ways of disciplining is bringing my kids in front of me and just talking to them for an extended period of time. (laughs) You know, so so pretty soon they're just saying, please spank me. I don't want to stand here anymore. You you know, but they they would. I just make them stand there. We just chat. Now that was the mean part of it, you know, but... But honestly, I did that for a while. That was one of the things I did. But I said, okay, son, you know what you've done. And he's a very tender guy. All his tears were already in his eyes, and he knew what was coming. I said, go get the spoon. him over my <laughs> I laid him over my knee oh, of course at that point you say don't cry <laughs> no man this was this baby was a spoon I mean you know for him it was a spoon you know for me it was a little smaller but the reality is this a spoon I laid him over my lap I said here we go and he heard crack crack And he's going, ah! And he stopped. You know why? Because I wasn't hitting him. I was hitting me. I just kept wailing away until I had to cry. It hurt so bad. And you might say, Dave, you're out of your mind. I had a reason. Because I had come to that point as I thought about my son, just how much does it hurt God? When we sin against him. And when I feel that I, I don't think I get it yet, I'd hit myself again. Man, I'm telling you, I had the biggest old black and blue walked around like this for a while, you know. Uh, but anyway, I stood him up and I said, with just tears in my eyes, I said, Grant, this is how God feels. This is how God feels. You're forgiven. Go on your way. And if I remember, he didn't leave. He was just so puzzled by that whole thing. But folks, that's, the, that's where justice and love just crashed together. That our Savior went to the cross. Our God Father allowed him to become a human. He, he never left his heavenly nature as such. He was still perfect and, and, and holy and right And justice demanded a payment. God said, we can't have this anymore. We're done. And so he sent his very son, dear friends. Justice could get a payment. Jesus took that payment. And he wailed on himself on a cruel cross. Only to extend the invitation, which is an RSVP invitation to the whole world. I love you, but don't ever forget that I died and suffered for you. 
Isn't it amazing? You, you can't have a loving God that just says, it's okay, just sweep it under the carpet, everything's cool. Let's just change morality a little bit. Oh, you've really not done anything real, real, real wrong. And the scale, yeah, it, it's a little lower, but, but you're okay. No, there's a bar, and the bar does not change, and we don't get there, and so Christ came to make us able to get to the bar through the precious blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? That is so huge. It's not about us trying harder. It's not about, it, that's a lie. Well, you just need to live a little better. No, you don't. You need humility. You need to pick up the prayer phone and call the lawyer who will cover you. That's his job. No, you'll, you might say, I'm going to go it alone. Okay. Go represent yourself before the judge whose bar is here and you didn't get there. Do you understand why you're so uncomfortable? Because here you are standing all by yourself. Lord, I'm, I, you know, you. and he says, but I gave you my son. Pastor Sid often says, if you haven't trusted Christ, why? I mean, my word, look at what he's done for you. Justice and love crashed together. Another, so why can't everyone just go to heaven? Because it's a precious gift. Don't ever take your salvation for granted. Man, it's bought and paid for, but it wasn't cheap. God demands Holiness, and Jesus allowed for that. Another question, why can't I get back at those who hurt me? Doesn't that show up on the justice limb somewhere? Has anybody ever hurt you? <laughs> oh, to the moon, whatever it is. And you know what? We decide somebody hurts us, and pretty soon we hear the music in the background. Heritage man for truth, justice, and the American way. I am a superhero. Thank you very much. I'll be here all day. <laughs> Isn't it great? Uh, sir, uh, I know some of you artists are going, that's pitiful. That's all right. I feel better. Let's my fat fly out a little bit more when you let loose. Problem with, there's a problem with revenge. Revenge is this. You decide, you decide to, to take the place of God. Romans chapter 12 and verse, <laughs> verse 19 through 21 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath. For the scriptures say, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Just a little bit later, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, God is not looking in his justice world for us, for us at this particular time, even though we may naturally want to try to get back at people who hurt us. I do. I understand that. He wants to be God. How did Jesus respond? We've kind of already talked about it, but I read you another scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. It says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Then it goes on to verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree so that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, there's the word, by whose stripes you were healed. Huh. The example of Jesus is even though they heard him he did not retaliate. He went there. 
See, the justice limb also, not only does it intertwine with the love limb, it also intertwines with the mercy limb and the sovereignty limb. Jack talked about that not long ago, that God is a sovereign God, in control, supreme. It's a radical teaching if you think about it because <laughs> isn't it true? Man, I, man, when somebody pulls in front of me, how dare they? When someone takes the last Coke Zero on the shelf and I am right there, they knew I wanted that thing. The buffet line? Are you serious? Can't you see the sign that says to the back of the line, I'm here. Why do people do that? <laughs> That's not the point. We're not going there. I'm saying why do we often have that? Well, it is. It's a natural thing. It comes to us. But I want you to hear Jesus again say, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. There was this mercy side of him that goes, went against what he was feeling and goes against what we are feeling. Today, God has set it up. We are living in what's called the age of grace. It's a temporary period where Christ Jesus stands in the gap as, again, our lawyer, but he pleads on our behalf. Every single thing that we do wrong, he's pleading before the Father. And why is he doing that? Because he's the Savior, because he has earned the right to do that. He alone has that credential to stand before God as that atonement covering and say, Lord, you've made these people right through my blood. Praise the Lord. And so no, no further vengeance is necessary. Salvation in life like that is free, but it's also conditional in the sense that this, it's got to be received. Can I get back at those who hurt me? What, do I have to be like Jesus all the time like this? Yes, you do. And here's the reason. Because when we, what's the opposite of revenge is what? To forgive. A little forgive, big forgive, forgive. What happens when you forgive? You take the place of Jesus and radically stand in the gap with Christ. You're standing with him who forgave you. You're standing at the, at the open tomb with him looking at that offender and saying, we forgive you, we show you forgiveness because he forgave me, I'm going to, he's my justifier, I want to be made right with you as well. It doesn't sweep it under the carpet. Nobody gets away with anything. As a matter of fact, you often have to pay the price if you're going to forgive. Not always often, but always. You pay the price when you forgive. It's a powerful transaction. And what it does is it, it dramatically displays the big tree, God that he's more than just simply a God of justice, I'm gonna get you, or a God of love. <laughs> he is both. To forgive is one of the most dramatic things you can do in life. Anybody here maybe struggles with witnessing, telling other people about Jesus. It's hard sometimes. We, we have this, we don't wanna get rejected, uh, we get a little scared because we don't know if we know what to say. Can I give you a help today on the basis of this? Just start forgiving people. Just start forgiving people and, and guess what will happen? People will start coming to you asking, what in the world is up with you? And you'll have that opportunity to take them to the cross where you stand with Jesus, a forgiven person. It's a great thing. I move quickly to finish today. Why is everything just getting worse? One of the great questions you hear all, why is every, man, back in the day, I particularly hear that in our locale. I remember back when nobody could unbutton their shirt in church. <laughs> my daddy would be here this morning to listen to me preach, but my shirt's out Side, 
and this is wrong. I remember. What are you going to wear to the funeral? Well, I'm going to wear a suit and tie. Why don't you do that? You know, I, I mean, now please, I'm not trying to criticize. I'm just simply saying that things change. I wouldn't do this unless my pastor did it. It's his fault. <laughs> things are just getting worse. <laughs> well, let's get to the real point. As followers of Christ, I agree. We zealously desire the end, don't you? Man, I'd love for it to be over. I would love for Jesus to come today. And he has promised, and he could. Amen? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if it even happened sooner? But we zealously long the end, love the, the end of this sin list. And some of you here today have been affected by someone else's sin or your own. And man, you, you're just burdened down by that. And you oppose it in word. And is there ever an end? Justice limb connects with the grace limb. <laughs> Good news. I want to tell you something about the justice limb when it comes to evil. The work has already begun. I take you back to the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? He defeated death that day. He did. When he rose from the dead, he proved that this life is temporary and sooner or later the justice of God will convene with the grace and mercy of God and, and death will be no more, no more evil, nothing like it, it's done. The justice limb says that God is at work and I need that. I need that truth. I love what he said in Mark chapter three, verse 27, I was doing a Bible study with somebody not long ago and that verse came up. Verse 27 of Mark says, who is powerful enough to enter the house of the strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. And that strong man Jesus was talking about was Satan. Who can, who can tie the strong man up? I can. I am here today to bind him that he may not be what he normally is. You think it's bad. Imagine if our Savior had not have come. But he has come. And on the cross he declared, and a, a singer from one of my favorite singers of the past, his name is Steve Green, he'd sing, it is finished, he has done it, life conquered death, Jesus Christ, and, and he had this bellowing voice, has won it. You know, uh, yeah, I don't sound anything like him, but you understand. But uh, unbelievable, man, when he do that, man, my, the, the goosebumps would just rise from my, because wow, God, you have done that. Death has no power. And you might say, okay, okay, yeah, Dave, I agree with you, but when? I go back to what Jesus said to his disciples who were probably asking the same thing. John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to, I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Don't be troubled. Get, accept my peace. I, we are in control. The justice limb of God is actually happening sin folks i've got to tell you just in case you don't know this but sin's not just going to stop because somehow we evolve into a goodness it's not going to happen things are going to get worse and jesus and jesus will split the sky someday He'll do it Aslan style. He's not a tame lion. He will split the sky and he'll come for his people. <laughs> the enemy will be driven out and it is this truth 
that is the recipe. You got to have the justice limb to make this happen. You can't have hope unless you have a God who's coming to judge evil and take it away. That's a recipe for hope. That's a recipe for discipleship. That's a recipe for revival in our hearts. This junk that we live in today is going to end. It's going to be over and the serpent's head will be crushed. Can you trust a God who punishes sin? I hope you not only answer yes, but you probably, I hope you'll add, no, I can't trust a God who does not punish sin to the uttermost. Because that's the God of eternity. I call you this morning to take the time to look at the big God in all of his limbs and think from that place. It'll not only save you from a lot of grief, it'll energize your life as you step into the daily knowledge of the big tree God who is good and wise and loving and always right and even demanding a level of following him because he's the sovereign and the plunderer of this micro-kingdom called earth. And you might find yourself saying, grandios. Or if you're Chinese, you might say, mm, da shen. Or if you're those French people, you might say, grand dieu. Or if you're English-speaking, you might just break out with, how great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Stand up. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Lord, we praise you. We praise you that you are a big God, multi-limbed. Each one of these characteristics and qualities dependent on the other that bring about this enormous, limitless God. Hallelujah. Praise be to you. We bow before you. We give you this day. We give you tomorrow. Lord, if there's anyone here today that never really thought about that, maybe that, that went to the firewood museums and looked at the little bit of God over here and the little bit of God over there, and, and they're saying, well, if God is a God of why, Lord, today would they, your spirit maybe have talked to them to say, nope, he's one, he is one, and we need him. Lord, would they trust you today? Bless this church as we serve you, as we seek to know you better. In the name of Jesus Christ, our cover, our lid, our propitiation. Amen.